0: Welcome to the Exploring Unschooling Podcast. For countless parents, the journey to unschooling has redefined childhood and transformed their family relationships. Are you curious? Together, let's explore what living and learning looks like without school. Hello, Explorers. I'm Pam LaRicchia, and this is episode number 286 of the podcast. It's the 13th of July, 2021, as I record this intro. And this week, I have a really fun conversation with Roya Dado, who joins me to talk about her new book, Connect with Courage, Practical Ways to Release Fear and Find Joy in the Places Your Children Take You. Roya is a grown-up schooler, a marriage and family therapist, and an unschooling mom of three, so she has lots of experience to draw from as she considers how children learn and thrive. In her book, Roy describes the many benefits of supporting our children's interests, and the strong connections between parent and child that those positive interactions cultivate. She also details 19 different barriers that can arise, and walks readers through ways to find solutions. In our conversation, we talk about two of these barriers, and how so much of it is our inner emotional work to do to move past our fears and to a place of connection with our kids. Our conversation was energizing, and I'm really excited for more parents to read Connect with Courage. These are powerful, life-changing ideas. And before we dive in, I want to take a moment to thank everyone who has chosen to support the podcast through Patreon. I deeply appreciate all my patrons, and some of you have been around for years. Thank you so much. Your generous support helps pay for the hosting and transcription, as well as my time spent creating new episodes each week. It's instrumental in keeping the podcast archive freely available to anyone who's curious and wants to explore the fascinating world of unschooling. If you'd like to join my community of patrons and scoop up some great rewards along the way, check out the Exploring Unschooling page on patreon.com. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash exploring unschooling. And now, here's my conversation with Roya. Welcome. I'm Pam Laricchia from livingjoyfully.ca. And today I'm here with Roya Dato. Hi, Roya. Hello. Hello. <laughs> How are you, Pam? I'm very well, thank you. And Roya, you were first on the podcast back in 2016, right? We did a growing up on schooling episode. And now I'm very excited to have you back to talk about your new book, Connect with Courage. So to get us started, I just thought a refresher would be great. Can you share with us a little
1: bit about you and your family and what's everybody into right now? Yeah, absolutely. Um, The first thing, though, I have to say is thank you for publishing my book. (laughs) That's that's kind of a a big deal, and I really, really appreciate uh, not only the time that you spent on it and the editing and the publishing, and also the austere company I'm in. It's very exciting to be up on that list. So, thank you, Pam. Oh, it was my pleasure. I love Um, this book. I'm so excited to actually talk about it with you. (laughs) Um, So we are kind of in an interesting uh, transition phase. I'm just coming back from. Maternity leave. Uh, I have a four month old now, so I've got a seven year old, a four year old, and a four month old. And um, we've been diving into the world of finding babysitters and uh, getting me back to work. So, as part of that maternity leave, we were able to go on a big grand 10 National Park RV trip, which was really exciting. Um, We went to Dinosaur National Monument because my son is super into everything dinosaur and wants to be a paleontologist. Um, The kids are really, I mean, we, we also moved about five months ago. And so now we have a pool and a trampoline and a new neighborhood to explore. So it feels like a lot of big muscle movement kind of summer days down here in Southern California. Lots of swimming, lots of trampoline, gardening cooking things and taking them to our neighbors, paying attention to all the birds. (laughs) We know all the bird drama in the neighborhood. And uh, we downloaded the Audubon app to watch birds and we were eating dinner. And and so some of you listening might be like in rural places where this isn't a shocker, but I'm in Southern California, very close to LA. And so it's really fun uh, to have like a barn owl swoop down while we're eating dinner. So lots of that kind of, I don't know, noticing happening.
0: Oh, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. So dinosaurs, eh? That's a big thing. Paleontologists in action
1: right yeah. now. <laughs> oh, yes. And he got to touch actual dinosaur fossils and talk to very knowledgeable rangers. And we saw bison and we went in a cave and oh, it was just an amazing, amazing trip. Um, so my kids are just living their best little lives. Um And then I am up to my eyebrows in getting back into the the world of therapy. And um, I also make and sell jewelry and I run online bazaars. So I've been occupied with that in the best way possible. And then, of course, talking about selling the book and making a whole bunch of um, journals and publishing those on Amazon.
0: Yeah, yeah. We'll definitely put links to that stuff in the show notes as well. So, yeah, let's dive into your book. As I said, I am really thrilled to have been able to publish that. It was so much fun working with you on that back and forth and back and forth for what seemed like many months as we both had life things come up. Oh, it was awesome. That, that's one of the reasons why I do love working with um, unschooling parents, right? Because we all, we have our priorities. And yet when we have the time, we dive in deep, right? It's It is a lot of fun. But anyway, um, I think your book is going to be or can be, will definitely be very life-changing for a lot of parents. In fact, we don't, you don't even specifically talk about unschooling in it, yeah. but why I wanted, I was so excited to work with it is because so much of de-schooling is our work to do, parents' work to do, right? As they're exploring what unschooling is and how to... Um, just cultivate that lifestyle, that learning lifestyle in their family. So this book just meshes so well with that whole process. So I wanted to start off with, you know, just um, a bit about your background and why you want to write this book and why connection between the parent and child is so very important.
1: So I, I'm the oldest of three girls. Um, they're three and then six years younger than me. And so when I, I finished up fourth grade in traditional public school, and then I never went back to fifth grade. My parents decided not to send us back. Um, there's lots of, I think, kind of small-ish reasons, but it boils down to they saw that our interest in things and our curiosity, w- was, it was being stamped out, whether by being forced to learn things we didn't wanna learn about, or by honestly, other kids were making fun of us, and that we wanted to spend all summer reading, and you know that kind of thing. And so they um, they just didn't send us back to school. So whatever, I think I I never went back to fifth. Roxana never went back to second, and then I don't remember how old. I don't think Rosie ever went to anything uh, other than preschool. But um, so then I, my parents, and uh, whew, stuttering a lot here. I'm going to take a breath. Um, so then we just did all the things we were interested in and we didn't have a lack of that. I am a I'm a combination of a deep diver and a dabbler. I dive in completely, totally all the way into something for like three weeks. And then I go on to the next thing and we were busy. So we were on swim teams and in Shakespeare theater groups and I was really involved in ceramics and we did a lot of theater and all these. And we did Girl Scouts and soccer and, you know, we did a lot of things. And that's just the outside activities, not even just the, like, I was also passionately interested in candle making and uh, crazy quilt sewing and journaling and photography and, you know, all the do at home kind of things. And so my parents were, I think, phenomenal at supporting our interests. And they, you know, when when I give parents examples now, I almost always can think back to an example of my parents helping me. So I would be on our 14 of making a zine for example in my my bedroom and i'd have just paper scattered out all around me and my mom would crack the door open i'd be listening to the same ani defranco cd on repeat for 24 hours and my mom would crack the door open and like slide a plate of food across and just be like hi how are you doing okay and i'd and leave and i remember just being able to like settle into that like this is what i'm doing and it's what i love to do and it's okay with everybody else and So I grew up with that very solid knowledge that what I'm interested in is valuable. They didn't interrupt me. They bragged about the things I was doing to other people, even if it didn't have like, you know, there were no trophies for the zines I was making. Right. There was no like quantifiable success marker. (laughs) Right. Right. So it wasn't like, Oh, guess what? She got first in um, you know, the amount of time she spent cutting pieces of paper up on her bedroom floor. Um, But I knew for a fact that they valued the choices I was making so I had that experience and then fast forward I go and I get a degree in recreation and leisure studies which I used to tell people is like majoring in Girl Scouts um, there's the recreational activity side like event management and outdoor recreation piece but there's also a philosophy side the, the leisure philosophy why play is important why free time is important um, all of those things that lined up so clearly with why we unschooled And so that just felt like a, like, oh, there's language for this. Oh, other people have been studying this. Not, not in the guise of um, like doing away with school, right? It's so strange to me that people don't make that connection, but given all of these parameters, also this thing is important. And so I I was finding language. I discovered the world of positive psychology. I went back to school to get my master's in counseling, um, thinking one day I would have an art therapy camp. And in that program discovered um well positive psychology and like the theory of flow and um mr slidman or dr slidman uh and all of the like the actual research behind why play is important and why uninterrupted time is important and why settling in and being able to spend hours and hours of time on an interest is good for us so again, I was like able to put language to these things that I knew from my upbringing and watched in my sisters and all of our unschooling friends. Um, and then I started a private practice. And although at this point, the majority of my practice, I'd say it's homeschoolers, unschoolers, um, that wasn't always the case. And uh, cause at the beginning I was just, you know, casting a wide net, put myself out there in psychology today, please come and see me as a therapist. And I was working in community mental health as well. Um, and even with some like uh, court-ordered families, things like that. And so in my happy unschooling bubble, I had seen the, the positive side of supporting kids' interests and what that can do for relationships and families. And then as I ventured out into the world of counseling, I saw the opposite. And I saw all the places where struggles between parents and their kids Uh, could be traced back to not feeling valued or their interests being disparaged. And I saw people with addiction issues who when we dug deeper, uh, it felt like they never felt a connection to something kind of bigger than themselves. They never felt like they had purpose or drive. And I saw self-worth issues and self-esteem issues because when they were younger, all of the important adults in their life told them that what they were interested in didn't matter. And they internalized, if what I, if I love this thing, and I'm wrong for loving it, then I must be wrong, right? And so, and then straight up just terrible, awful, neglectful, abusive situations where parents were insulting their children and um, disparaging their interests, and just, it, it caused a lot of barriers. So, in both places, I was seeing the importance here of kind of an easy, well, not always easy, but a simple solution to a lot of these things, which was when they're young, start supporting them. (laughs) And so support their interests, be interested in what they're interested in. And so then I started paying more attention to why is that so hard? Why do we struggle so much when a kid wants to watch hour four of that YouTube unboxing video? Why do we not want them to do that? And why do we all like get all you know, our our backs up when our kids want to spend a couple more hours by Minecraft? And what are the fears and what stands in our way? And that is the book. (laughs) It's the, (laughs) the long story, but that's the book. Is It's important. Here's why. Here's what happens when it goes right. Here's what happens when it goes wrong. And here are ways you can deal with those things that stand in your way.
0: Yeah. Oh, I love that. I love that. That's a great... Uh, kind of overview of why it's so valuable, right? To to connect with your kids and to support their interests and their passions, and even even being okay. I think it can be hard to be okay with someone who's like a deep diver for three weeks and then comes back up, <laughs> and then it's something completely different. It's like, oh <laughs> well, gee, well, I thought you were, we're <laughs> a photographer or something, right? And then all of a sudden, you pull back out. <laughs>
1: And I think that's, that's the unschooling piece. And yeah, I never mentioned the word homeschooling or unschooling in a book very purposely. Um, But I think that's the part where unschooling parents have a little bit of a head start, right? Where when you're unschooling, you're paying so close attention to your kids. You're watching those patterns. You're, you're paying attention. Are their eyes lighting up to that? What can I strew in their path, right? Like there's, it's an active engagement thing. And so I think that for a lot of unschoolers, that piece of it they don't have to start from the paying attention part, right? They, have, they start from the implementation piece. The paying attention is knowing, okay, we've seen this treat before. Uh, maybe I'm not going to sign my kid up for an 18-week intensive course, no matter how interested in it they are, because I know that in three weeks they're going to stop doing that. And one of the struggles I have is we paid them money, so I want them to keep going. So let's not put them in that situation to start with, right? So it's that, that paying attention.
0: Yeah, yeah, paying attention to that bigger picture. And as you mentioned, a good, lovely chunk of the book is working through these common barriers that that come up for us, right? So what I thought we could do is touch on a couple of those and just dive in with people. Um, So I thought first we could dive into the barrier of I don't understand why they enjoy it. You know, like, so the unboxing video example, right? (laughs) So if whatever it is, if we don't understand why our kid is enjoying the thing, how can we work through that challenge for ourselves? Because it's our challenge, right?
1: It is. It's totally our challenge. And and that's, I think, one of the first things to do is to remember that um, we have however many years of messaging and bias and experience and baggage and, you know, all that stuff about that topic, perhaps. And your kid does not. Your kid comes to that thing pretty fresh. So just to remember that a lot of times, like, thinking about people who've been upset with their kids for loving Nerf guns, for example, right? You have all this like a whole big giant trash bag full of it's, but it's violence and it's this and it's that. And the kids just like, I don't know, I like to point and shoot at things. Right. So it's, it's totally a different, um, different ballgame for them. So that's one thing I suggest to parents is try to really identify what's your stuff and what's theirs. Cause it's probably yours. Um, and you're the grown up, So you have to do the work. Um, and then, so the other piece, if you don't understand, and of course there's that, we fear what we don't understand, right? And often it's about a new medium for things. So we, we are storytellers, right? We are, we are storytellers as humans. And I see video gameplay, hours spent on YouTube or TikTok or whatever, we are still storytelling in those mediums. But if they're new and if you don't understand it, then it's not. Familiar, and you're worried about all the unknown things. So if you can make parallels, right? When people say screen time is bad, I require (laughs) my clients that they go through and say, would I say the same thing of paper time, right? Would I say the same thing of food time or outdoor time or inside time? And so trying to make parallels can sometimes help you um, just work through some of that strange stigma that comes up in your brain, Um, get to know the thing, right? If you're like, oh my gosh, all they're doing is they're on TikTok, and I I say this because I was up till two o'clock in the morning on TikTok, so that's fresh, but um, if all they're doing is TikTok, all they're doing is TikTok, go get on TikTok, go see what it's about, go find out. If you have uh, an open relationship with your kid, I bet you could sit down next to them and say like, hey, show me what you're interested in. So asking them what it is about it that they love Most of the kids I know who have a a decent relationship with their parents are just absolutely dying for somebody to sit down and talk to them about the thing that they love to do. I remember when I started at community college, um, I was 13 and I took a writing class and I came home like, oh my gosh, this person is just gonna read all my writing and talk to me about it. It was so exciting. So you can be that person for your kid. Sit down and listen to them talk about why that thing is so interesting to them. And if you don't want to interrupt their time for whatever reason, you can also sit down and just observe. Uh, I very often ask parents to watch their kids and challenge them to make a list of 30 possible things that their kid might be getting out of whatever the activity is. Um, And some you might be able to see, and some you might have to go online and and research or ask other people what it is. Um, And that in that case, you might be guessing, right, but it at least kind of get the juices flowing for you to start thinking of these activities as beneficial. Um, People are not, kids are not always going to get the same thing out of an activity that you think they ought to be getting to. Um, And and they're not going to get it in the same way. Like, I actually, I was just recording another podcast where I was talking about, I did ceramics for years and years, and I didn't have any interest in glazing. Once I finished throwing the piece, I was done. I didn't care about the finished product. I just wanted my hands in clay. And I very often would even give away, I made hundreds of things, and I'd give them away to other people to glaze and keep because I just, I was done with it. But if someone had forced me to do it, like, step by step, start to finish until it was absolutely over, um, and I had to pay attention to glazing and, you know, all that, I probably would have quit ceramics, and it was a huge part of my life, and I got a lot out of it. And so. part of it is remembering that people are they are getting something I mean just to be assured of that they're getting something if they're choosing to spend their time there it's valuable in some way so your job as the parent to look for what that value is remember that it might be different than what you would get out of it and how you would get it out of it talk to them about it be a detective look for clues um and work through your own stuff (laughs) 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 Yeah,
0: no, detective was what was coming to mind for me. Exactly. Because for me, that was a fun piece. If you can start with understanding, like just know that they're getting something out of it. Just as you said, they're getting something, something is drawing them to it. Something is keeping them there, you know, and what I, just taking it as my job as a detective, just to be so curious and figure, I wonder what it is. I love your idea of trying to come up with 30 things that it could be because I love that so much because it can be such a wide range of things for people. And you know what? We don't even need to literally know what the one answer is because coming up with 20 or 30 helps you realize that there are so many possibilities, there's something. And then when we realize that we get out of kind of the tunnel vision of the one horrible thing that we're thinking. Right. Right. The the thing one fear that's, that's, yeah. yeah. Whatever our fear is, it's like, Oh, it can be so many other things. That's just one possibility. So now all of a sudden it's not this huge weight, then, then we can relax some more and we can actually start kind of, getting involved, right? And participating. Yeah. And, and
1: it's fun. fun. Yeah. And I exactly. guess that's the piece that, like, about... I get, I get parents who are like distraught and, and there's always stuff going on and I don't want to minimize that at all, but we get, we get so wrapped up in that, that one, like you said, that one potential fearful place, right? That it could be leading to this bad thing or it could be preventing them from success. We get so caught up in that, that we forget that this process is actually kind of a delight <laughs> and it's really fun to be a part of that and, and I don't know parenting's kind of a sweet gig if you can look at it in that that respect right yeah. I, the things I mean I just think about the not just my kids you know the, the places that we've been able to travel to and the things that I've learned and the the projects we've done and the The joy that I get in them opening up and sharing their interests with me is amazing, but also with my clients. I can't even tell you the number of new TV shows I've watched, the number of awesome conversations I've had, the number of things I've tried, the number of connections they've made. It's so fun to connect with people on that level. And it's fun to watch too, because if you can get past the fear, and especially for parents who are worried about their kids spending all their time doing something, your kids are expert level at that thing. And it is really, really cool to talk to people who are experts about the subject that they're expert in, and I, just I, I, what I want for parents is to be able to get that fearful voice out of the way, so they can enjoy that and, and talk to their expert-level kids who are invested and passionate and know the language and can teach you about whole new worlds.
0: I know. I I always felt like I was as kind of a student of life of my children. Really, yeah. I if I could get out of my head, that fear, that, you know, judgmenty piece, if I could get out and just be in the moment with them. Oh my gosh, that, that is how, you know, I got experience with the lifestyle. And then, like you said, then you bring that curiosity about the world and about other people and what they find interesting. You bring that with you to all the other people in your life and your world gets so much bigger, like literally I joined TikTok a few weeks ago. My <laughs> daughter, but like my kids are adults now, but I'm it's fun. The world is fun. And my daughter was starting to post on TikTok. And I'm like, I'd love to see what you're making. I'm an account. I'm yeah. exploring. It's it's fun. And when you can come with that lens of fun and curiosity, the world is just mm-hmm. so much bigger, I think. Right. And we can connect. You have now a way to connect with people rather than saying, you know, you guys are all adults. Yeah. You know, I'm older now. I'm in my fifties. I don't want to learn any new tech. Yeah. like, no, that's not the way I want to go through my life. Right. Right.
1: right. And ironically, the thing, the fear is usually about um, a safety thing, right? That, that either that thing is going to end up hurting my kid in some way, but connecting with your kid I mean, every single study, homeschooling-related or not, shows that engagement with parents is the thing that helps keep people safe into adulthood. Right? That that it um, it helps with substance use and it helps with uh, risky situations and peer pressure and you know all these all these things that we're scared of for our kids. That being able to have open communication with your parents is the thing that keeps you safe. And that's not going to happen if you don't find places to connect with them. So it's just kind of an interesting, like sitting on the couch and watching YouTube, I I mean, physically they're safe, right? They might be seeing something that maybe I would choose not to let them be exposed to at a young age or whatever, but it's okay to think dangerous thoughts, right? It's okay to like, just because you see it or think it doesn't mean you are it or will go do it. And that gives you the opportunity to have those conversations. And the support that you give when you value their choices pays off so much later on when it's actually physically, the physical safety that we're talking about, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so not just the fun piece and the exciting piece and the just getting along better day to day. It's always a I don't know. I get a lot of parents who come to me who talk about the struggle and the battle and, the, you know, like those kinds of words with their kids. So not only is it just the light and fun and playful side, but it's also actually safer and better for their success later when it is more serious. And all the other pieces too, right? We learn better when we can be creative and we learn better when we're playful. We learn better when things are not being forced upon us. And we can take what we learn, even if it's on Minecraft or Uh, I can't suddenly think of the name of any other game, but, you know, even if it's in a video game, those, the things that we learned, they're generalized to other things. And I think that's a big part that, that parents are scared of when they don't understand why a kid wants to spend their time doing this thing. They're also worried about all the other things they might be missing out on. And so to that, I, I just like to remind parents too, that, you know, just because you learn teamwork on a soccer field doesn't mean you don't use those things in other places. Just because you learn strategic thinking through Minecraft doesn't mean you don't use those, uh, those abilities in other places. And far more important is learning how you learn and, again, keeping that relationship really open with your parents. And then it'll take you other places. But parents get very like, but right now it's not working like that. And you gotta, gotta take a breath
0: yeah <laughs> and and you learn better when you feel safe, right? because when you're feeling safe in your environment in your home environment or like with your family, um, it you feel much safer to explore to try things that you might not have tried before because you're less fearful of being judged, uh, being talked down to, being told to stop, yeah. when you're comfortable that way, you actually are feel much safer to to explore and learn. And the other piece I wanted to mention, oh, yeah, because when you're building that connection, so when you're fearful and you don't know what they're, what they're learning or whatever, you know, coming up with all the different things that it could be and also connecting with them helps you get a good idea of what it is that they're enjoying. So not only can you help by bringing in new things that are similar, you know, if they're really enjoying the strategic aspect Like if that's what they're loving in Minecraft is they're loving figuring out strategy. Somebody else is loving building things. Like if you just say they're playing Minecraft for hours, you don't know what. What it is that they're loving and there could be very different things that you can bring into their world, depending on what it is that they love. So as you're building that connection, because they feel seen and heard from you when you're Mm -hmm. starting to see and ask them those questions. Oh, what strategy did you use for this? Oh, how did you build that thing? You know, depending on what it is they're feeling seen, they're feeling heard, they're feeling connected with you, they're building trust in you. And that is where you can help them when you start mm-hmm. coming up uh, on these things, right, that you're fearful yeah. about, whether it's yeah. time or, or whatever that safety aspect is for you, right. or where they're feeling uncomfortable, right? Yeah. They feel connected yeah. with and you, then, and then have those conversations.
1: Right, right. And you just know them better. And you know, what, you know, if they start to look around for what's the next thing. Right. I'm not I don't want to do just this. Then then you can say, oh, hey, I have this blah, blah, blah. And it kind of reminded me of that thing. Right. Or strew it quietly or whatever it is that that you're going to do with it. But then, yeah, you're, you're kind of you've got things up to bat that are in line with what it is that they're interested in already. And yeah. again, when we look at it from just our perspective, we can miss the mark on that a lot. Right. Um, you know, I was thinking my sister was really into baking and she was doing um, like a bake around the world thing. And I made some comment about like, Oh, you should make cookies for, I don't know, the baby shower I was hosting or something. And she's like, you know, and I'm like, I'll pay you. And she goes, you know, I don't want to decorate anything. That was not at all what she wanted. It was not about decorating. And so for her, it was just a, a like a pathway to learning about all these different places around the world. And knowing that I mean that if if she were my kid, that's a really different world that opens than cooking and cake decorating, right? It's it's a very different like I'm I'm gonna go in that direction, not this other one. And I would never have known that if I had, you know, not talked to her about it and asked her about it and and Exactly.
0: And that doesn't mean because we might not know, it doesn't mean not offering up
1: things or sharing
0: ideas or thoughts, like, because that's how you learned, right? You said, Oh, hey, what about this? But your connection and the trust, she was comfortable saying, No, you know what, that's not something that would (laughs) be interesting to me. Yeah. (laughs) So You know, that's how we learn more. It's not about, it's not about stepping back. You know, and oh. just observing and seeing kind of where things go and trying to put the picture together in our heads. It's a dance of all of those things. Like yeah. we also connect, we also, you know, make come. if if I think your comments are like always met with a no, or your suggestions are almost always met with a no, it's like, hmm, I'm really off base here. I'm gonna take a little bit more time to observe you know, and, and figure out because then sometimes it can be our own baggage that we're, we're just not seeing a bigger picture. We're just thinking, or we have like an expectation of where we think it should go. So then we start trying to plant seeds that, you know, pull them yeah. in that direction. And so then they're always no, yeah. but engaging and, and um, just trying to have those conversations just gives us more information, right? Helps us learn about each other better.
1: I think a good, a good um, if, if, if parents are trying to engage and they're being met with resistance, that's a pretty good sign that in some way, even if it was inadvertent, your kid has been feeling a little judged or um, they're feeling protective, right, of their mm-hmm. interest and yeah. their, their time and that interest. And so for those parents, I, I do suggest um, trying to switch your language around trying to make objective statements about things and not subjective ones. So in the same way, like I, I do a lot of art in my therapy practice. And if someone draws something with all the colors and it's filling up the page, if I say, wow, that looks chaotic, that is all about my interpretation, right? For them that might be like busy and bright and dynamic. And so what I say is I notice you used all of the colors <laughs> and then they can fill in the gaps about what that means. Right. But if I start with the, with the assumption, then yeah. that's not about them, that's about me. And so for parents um, who are meeting, being met with resistance, I think it's kind of the same thing where you can um, jump in, you know, sit next to them and say something like, you know, um, oh, now of course I can think of a thing, but you know, say, say, make an observation as opposed to passing a judgment, even a kind judgment, right? Yeah. Um, you, chose, you chose that character three or four times then you can leave that up to them to say, oh yeah, you know, it's my favorite one. Now you know something, right? And now you have just one more little bit of a bridge. I kind of, I think of these, I use the metaphor of bridges a lot. And I think of like every time you can make that kind of connection with your kid, it's like a rope bridge, right? That's that's one piece of fiber that's been extended. And then the more of those fibers you get, they twist together until it's stronger and stronger and stronger. And then you're just running across back and forth together. And you can make those kinds of little fibery bridges out all over the place. What you don't want to do is go through with scissors and cut those connections so that's i think the making the observational statement or showing in other ways it doesn't have to all be talk right Mm -hmm. it can be you know if you think of those like love languages show that you support them without making them discuss their thing sit next to them read your own book while they're there bring them a blanket if it's cold bring them some snacks um, you know, take your noisy conversation somewhere else, um, help them clean up something that needs cleaning up. If, if they could benefit from that, they need that help. Um, or if they want that help, I should say, um, you know, there's other, like there's actions that you can take. It doesn't all have to be interrogation based. <laughs> no, I love that. I love that
0: because I mean, one of my kids wasn't big into, into words, <clears throat> you know, but you can show so much, Through your actions and the choices I love the one that so many people don't think of is taking your loud conversations to another space or something just just respecting their space like showing respect for the things that they're choosing to do and the way that they do them just consideration right as another human being. In the world, like you might be hungry, you might be thirsty, you know, you might want some quiet. Even taking siblings somewhere else to play when they yes. look like they're really focused on something that they're doing, yeah. there is so much that we can do that that also doesn't need words in the moment either, right? Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. And I, I think that that's um, that's one of the things that we we get this bizarre message from the mainstream world that we're not supposed to factor kids in when we're talking about our resource allocation right that it's only adults that are supposed to decide where we spend the money how we spend our time what the house is set up like you know all, all of these resources in our lives but where we choose to put our resources says a lot about what we value um i mean that's really what it is it's, it's a symbol of our values and so if you're trying to value your child and their in their interests and what is important to them then you've got to take a really good look at where you're spending your resources and are you factoring them in and are you prioritizing them and, you know, also make rent and stuff. But that's that I think a lot of families exclude their kids interests from the priority list. Right. And very often, if we can work through the emotional side of things, then we can find that the logistical pieces of where we're putting our finite resources we can look at that creatively. You know, we can, we can think about that. And when you get started, this can also be a game, right? When you get started looking at things um, divergently, you you keep going, it snowballs. So your dining room doesn't have to be a dining room, right? Like, and and you can look at different ways to use space and different ways to get your kids access to stuff, It does, you know, and, and just that can be fun. And if you involve them in that process, then they can trust that you are trying to to do that for them. And so when it is a no, I understand it's a no. And you all can help come up with creative solutions to hopefully find the yes. Yeah,
0: no, I love that. And it, it, I just found that so fun when I could open up what felt like so many constraints and just, and, and not prioritizing their needs because yeah, when you first come to it, it doesn't even occur to you to think about it. But when I dove into unschooling and thought of that, it's like, well, of course. (laughs) And then it was just so much fun to play with all all of a sudden, you know, rooms and what their functions were and how we used our spaces and the things we chose to bring into our lives and the places we chose. Like, you know, they are so capable of being involved in all of those conversations. And like you said, when that trust builds, they come to they really do come to realize and when things aren't going to work out for maybe for now or we have to wait a little bit or whatever, they understand it's not about them. It's not a judgment about them at all. Right. It's us working together and something's mm-hmm. in the way right now, but it, we're not going to lose it. When we built that trust, they understand that, you know, it might just be waiting. It might not look exactly the way they envisioned it, all those pieces, but we're all doing our best. Right. We just trust that we're all doing our best and working together. right?
1: Okay. And side bonus, all those things are excellent learning opportunities. <laughs>
0: so <Right. laughs> <to> win, win.
1: <laughs> again, and they're skills that are lifelong useful
0: for everyone, yeah. yep. right? Yep. I mean, yep. we're learning them and figuring them out now, but our
1: kids
0: are yeah. are just getting that head start. That they yeah. really can take those things and work with them and play around, and then they're bringing them with yeah. them. So yep. okay, yep. one more barrier I wanted just to dive oh, yeah. into. Um, because I do hear parents complaining pretty regularly, especially with younger kids, that the thing their child likes to do is messy, right? I, it sounds simple. It sounds simple. But uh, I don't know, Roya. Is that how I feel a little chaotic right now? <laughs> but there are a couple of aspects to it, aren't there?
1: <laughs> there are. There really are. I, and that's the thing, too, that's hard. I, and it was actually part of the challenge for me of writing the book was, I felt like I went back and forth a lot between like the philosophy of things and then the, and put your stuff in tubs, you know, and then the the, the (laughs) practical side of stuff. Um, And and so, and that's part of it is I think if the attitude is there and, and your own emotional barriers are dealt with, then you can think creatively about the practical solutions. So that's always, you know, I think there's a lot of people who want me to just tell them like, it's you know, here's, here's the one magical solution or way to just switch how you think about it. But, but it, it's not just that it's a dance and it matters who's in your house, I think is part of it. You know, um, the house I grew up in, the people cared about things differently than the house I live in now and the people I live with now. And so that's part of it is factoring everybody in. Um, there's also, I think it has to, the conversation about the resources and privilege that you have matters too, right? I have to say, I have been, it's a lot easier. We moved to a place with a lot more space and I have a door I can close and I can leave a whole desk full because I don't want to have to clean up my earring stuff every time I keep working on it and keep going. And so that was an issue both logistically because I have little kids who would get into it. And it's not my husband's favorite thing to have every single surface covered in clay, And so the fact that I have a room now with a door that closes is really helpful. And so I'm incredibly privileged to have that space. However, even in a place where I didn't have that kind of space, there were creative things we could do. You know, I would make sure that I did my clay. I used um, like big tub lids a lot to work on so I could pick it up and move it somewhere else or put it high on a shelf or cover it or things like that. So but again, the desire for harmony in my life was there, which helped come up with those creative solutions. So one big thing, well, I guess what I have to say, it depends on where you're at in your parenting journey too. So glean from this, what you will listeners, because you're all going to be in different places. But one thing is to remember that um, one person's mess is not another person's mess, right? If you can get down and look at it from the perspective of the kid in question, you might see things differently. Like I think back to to doing those zines, um, you know, someone else might look at that and see all these scraps of trash all over. But I was, care. uh, those scraps of trash were were the material I was going to glue back together and use and produce from. So if someone had come in and talked about it as though it were trash, I would have been furious. And if someone had come in and just like swept it all up and cleaned it up, that would have been rough. Also, as I sat and worked, I sorted things, you know, it wasn't just like a, I knew exactly what I wanted to cut and paste. I was always, um, it was trial and error and experimentation all over my floor, and it would form something. And so if I had to clean it up every 20 minutes, I would not have been able to make those connections. So it was a magical little world of paper scraps down there. And I'm looking at my desk right now and it looks a lot like that, but it's not like pieces of clay. And, uh, and so, and I'm working on canes now and I'm saving all the little scraps because they're going to be turned into something later. And one earring is going to lead to that and that and that. So if someone came in and just swept it all away or made me clean up in between sessions, that would really, really hurt my creative process. So one big thing is it's not just trash. It's not just a mess. There's worlds in there. The other thing is everybody lives where you live, right? Everybody, I think, gets to be a factor in living in a happy, healthy, harmonious, rich, unschooling life. Um, mess really impacts my husband, for example. It's, I, I think for him, looking at a cluttered surface is a lot like for me hearing somebody chew. Like there's, it, it, it makes you do that little neck twitchy thing. And it's not helpful for our home harmonious life For him to come home and have a mess everywhere and so he we've had to do a lot of conversations and a lot of figuring out and so i know that there are particular surfaces in our house that make a big impact so i'm trying to make sure that those things at least get swept into tubs and put somewhere else for me to put away um i know that um There might be days where it's better to get the kids up and out. So we don't have days where we're making a lot of mess inside, right? There's different things to do. Making, for me, um, putting everything that a project needs in a tub is really helpful. Like, I have probably 100 pairs of scissors in this house because so many different projects need a pair of scissors. I don't have a scissor tub. I have a pair of scissors in every project tub so that everything can just get stuck back in that tub and pulled back out again. Clear boxes, things with labels, um, you know, doing stuff on a tarp so you can just pick it all up. I sweep everything, toys, dust, trash. I sweep everything, and then the kids and I go through the pile and pull out the things we don't want to get thrown away, and then we do that. Right? There's a lot of that kind of little like brainstormy thing. But our goal as a family is for the kids to have great tactile experiences, and for nobody to, um, you know, want to bite somebody else at the end of the day. So we, it's it's all it's a dance, it's a combination, but it's it's talking about. I don't know. It's, it's valuing everybody. Right. And it's talking about how we can do this and maybe that particularly messy thing doesn't have to happen right this moment. Maybe there's a day that's better for it or maybe there's a, a a place, right. We, we do a lot of like, um, uh, I don't know. We designate a place in the backyard. That's the mud pit. (laughs) That's the mud pit. And we've just all, that doesn't have to get cleaned up ever, right? That's the place for it. And now we're good because we have a designated spot. And um, so just conversations, you know, lots of conversations about how do we all function together and live together? Um, Look, Reframing. Is it really mess? Remembering that mess is part of the creative process and that connections it's actually healthy for our brains to make connections across things. So it's good for us to not just play with Legos, but to play with Legos and My Little Pony and Hatchimals and crayons and clay and sand all together. Like having those kinds of connections tactilely and across subjects and interests, it develops healthy brains. And so if you're hovering over all the time and you're saying, okay, oh, did you you, you stop playing with that hot wheel car? Okay, we're gonna put it away now, right? But actually it does that, that scissor Thing, right? It cuts mm-hmm. off the connections before they can form. So, as much as you can, if you can create a space where that can happen or create a way where you can spend most of your time doing that and the cleanup is minimal, um, go for it. I, I think it's healthier. Um, I run across a fair number of parents who are like desirous of living a minimalist lifestyle and While I think that can be great for you as the adult, I definitely want to entreat upon you that not everybody wants to throw away all their things and things are important to people. And some of your kids are going to be curators. I have a curator child. I have a collector child. Um, He likes to collect things and sometimes he displays them. And sometimes we leave them in a box for a year and he digs them out later and goes, Oh, look at all those. And then he's interested in it again. Um, so we do a we we do a lot of tubs <laughs> with a lot of labels, and sometimes we rotate them, and sometimes they're all out on the floor all at once. And if I can pick them up, cool. If I can help them with that, that's that's the other piece I think is um, like giving the gift of that to your kids. I think can be a sweet and generous, wonderful thing. Um, I don't know. I have a lot of thoughts about mess. That's why I wrote a book. Yeah.
0: I just want to encourage, like all the
1: stuff we've been talking
0: about, it's in there. It's in there. I love your book so much. I mean, all these things are connected, right?
1: (laughs) They are. They are. And yeah. And so, so when I work with an individual family, I mean, we could come up with uh, 50 solutions off the top of my head, right. To, to that particular thing, but none of them are going to work lastingly or lovingly unless you deal with the emotional side of it, right? Why does it bother you? What does it bring up for you? You know, what's your attitude related to it? You got to do that part too. Yeah. Yeah. And that
0: is the beauty of working through the exercises. There's so many exercises in your book and you can skip around too. What's the one that's, you know, rubbing on me right now and I can go and I can dig into that. You don't need to dig into everything all at once because, it won't mean as much. It is it is more helpful to dig into the thing that's rubbing right now because then it, it's it's top of mind for you and then you can yeah. really get into it and it, it's helpful in the end. Okay. Okay. We can talk about that forever. But before <laughs> we go, there will be links to the book, to the links to all sorts of things in the show notes. Everybody can find that stuff there. But I want to know, what do you love most about your unswilling lives right now?
1: oh i don't remember my unschooling lives right now um you know what i've been thinking about lately is the how grateful i am for all of the people who love my kids and and we got them through our unschooling life like i'm just thinking about the the number of things random things we get in the mail from other unschooling families that know and love our children my son my seven-year-old son's favorite show right now is brooklyn Nine. Um, And he loves it. And it's like our special time to get, I love that show too. And so like we, we try to get in an episode every day and he uh, started talking um, about himself in the third person because of Terry on the show. And he (laughs) um, like, it's just, it's been leading to so many fun places and conversations. And the other day, a friend of ours, and and, uh, by the way, of course, their youngest kid is like 21. So um, all ages, right. Are all, loving on our kids and they sent us a couple of Brooklyn 99 t-shirts just out of the clear blue sky. And they we have another set of friends who um stumbled upon some pretty cool little dinosaur, like, you know, dig the fossil out of the egg thing. And they sent those to us. And like I, I just or they send us TikToks for the kids, right? Oh, I know why it's interesting this. Oh, this reminded me of Lilian, And and we they would not have those connections if we hadn't been going to unschooling conferences if we were not in a group of people who valued supporting their interests and seeing the connections that the kids are making and so I think yeah right now I am absolutely the most most just so grateful for the other humans who see and value the connections that the kids are making and their interests um it's just yeah I love them (laughs) that's wonderful. <laughs> that is so beautiful
0: yeah that community right yeah especially you've grown up unschooling yourself yeah unschooling conferences like the connections that you make with other families who value the same Who yeah. value their kids their connection with their kids their relationships yeah. and like you said grown kids like mm-hmm. we still it doesn't matter like that relationship that connection is there for, for life, it becomes a lifestyle, right? Not something that ends once our kids are 18. And now it's like, oh, off you go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, that's beautiful. Thank you so much, Roya. It was so much fun to chat with you. About course, your <laughs> I am so excited for people to get that in their hands and just dive in because that is really the most important thing. Like, when you're choosing unschooling, it's not just to stop there. That de-schooling aspect, that work that we can do so that we can cultivate that those strong relationships, those strong connections with our kids, because that is a foundation, isn't yeah. it, for our lives moving forward, right?
1: And one of the interesting things for me, too, is even though I grew up unschooling, right, grew up talking about unschooling, my mom spoke and, and talked about unschooling all the time, but now that I have kids... Um, it's so interesting to me, too, that at every new age and stage, right, I feel like I have to have some measure of that all over again, that, all right, I, when they're three, I got it, we're good, I figured this stuff out, and then they hit the next stage, and I'm like, oh, it's it's striking me in a different way, because I'm a different person, and they're a different person, and so I think that's part of it, too, with the, the book that I wrote it, hopefully for some um, replay value as well, that there's, you can keep going back because different parts of it, I think, will hit you harder in different places. You you have different, um, different barriers will come up at different stages of life, right? And um, so when people say, like, I did the de-schooling, I'm like, well, <laughs> I mean... But did you? (laughs) Did you? So you're feeling really really good right now. But
0: yes, exactly. exactly You know, there are going to be things are going to happen from the outside. Your kids are going to hit certain ages, different ages and things will come up. You really, you know, things will bubble up. There's kind of like the bulk of it where, you know, but the bulk of de-school and get you to the place to realize, oh, this isn't really going to end ever.
1: (laughs) Right. And because we're always going to experience it differently, too, because it's not like we're static and things are happening with them. Right. That (laughs) we're part of this process as well. And so, yeah, so I I, the book is geared towards parents of kids of all ages. It's geared towards you can pick it up and, you know, flip through the barriers and find the one that speaks to you the most. There's um, you can if you buy the book, there's a workbook that you can uh, actually write in it and stuff that you can download and get access to that. Um, and then I've been doing these journals that if you go on my website or on Amazon too, um, they're just places to write and they're prompts for you to keep exploring and keep exploring. And then I also have my practice. So again, if if anybody is finding that they need some extra one-on-one time, you know, I'm I'm here.
0: <laughs> so Absolutely. That's wonderful. We will have links to all that too. Thank you so
1: much, Roya. Have a wonderful day. Thank you, Pam. I appreciate you and the work that you do so much. Oh, thank you. Talk to you
0: soon. Bye. Bye. I hope you found this episode helpful on your unschooling journey. And be sure to check out the growing podcast archive. The conversations never go out of date. You can find more information about my books, the Living Joyfully Network online community, and the Childhood Redefined Unschooling Summit online course at my website, livingjoyfully.ca.